Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. TC Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Buttsup. Right up front. Younger fan inside of the net. Now in. And a very happy 5th of July day. I can't remember ever saying that before, but this does seem like a 4th of July because I guess this is the 4th of July observed, right? The Monday after 4th of July on Sunday. So happy 5th of July to you, Ballpark Frank. I'm assuming there's no mail today, right? So See, I was thinking about that, too. So, so yeah, so the federal government takes the day off. So. It, yeah, so, I mean. Of course, it seems like they take most days off. <laughs> Paul Buck Power Stewart, our guy, he's going to join us next hour. Seems weird. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Lightning guy over in England. I mean, talk about this guy. He's He's living the life right now. He's over in England. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are one victory away from winning the Stanley Cup Finals. And he's got England on the doorstep of potentially winning Euro 2020, at least in the semifinal on Wednesday. Wimbledon going on. He's, he, this guy's loving it. So, yeah, great time but if to, ha- to have Paul Stewart on with us today. But if he's a big English tennis fan, he's upset today because the young 18-year-old uh, did have to withdraw from her match in the second set as she lost to... Uh, Tom Janovich, uh in, in, in a pretty exciting, a good match, had a real good, uh, you know, good showing for herself, 18 years old, mm-hmm. made it all the way to uh, the second week of Wimbledon, but uh, dropped today. Also, Coco Golf also fell today. Yeah, and I think that's what I was going to say. You know, a lot of Americans, uh, including myself, are disappointed that Coco Golf is, is out. And I think the next, you know, up-and-coming female uh, tennis superstar yeah, this is the last couple of tournaments we've seen her, you know, fail in the in the early rounds. Well, I guess this it is still kind of early rounds. I mean, once you get the corner, well, you finals, get to the we start, second week. You know, it's 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 pretty yeah. nice run at Wimbledon. Yeah. For instance, Tomjanovic, who's been around for a long time, this is the first time she's ever made it to this round and won a match in her entire career in one of the majors. So, so no, it, it was a good showing. But Coco's only seventeen years old. Yeah. So I mean, she she looks like she's got a nice career ahead of her. All right, uh, so glad to have you with us on this Monday, post-4th of July. We are going to talk to George Shea, the president, CEO, chairman of the board, as I like to say, of Major League Eating. And, of course, you are very familiar with George Shea, maybe not by name, but he is the guy that wears the the goofy straw hat that uh, emcees the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. And if you watched it yesterday, you saw George at his finest. Uh, George is uh, just uh, a, a creator, uh, innovator, uh, a showman, all wrapped in, up in one. And uh, it, it's fun to talk with him. Had him on the show on a couple different occasions. So he is going to join us today in recapping what we saw at uh, Coney Island yesterday. Except we weren't at Coney Island. We saw it on ESPN as they were at the minor league ballpark. And I'm still not cool with this. And when we had Mickey Sudo on last week, she was talking about it. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit different feel. But it definitely was much better than what we saw last year where they were in some, some cave somewhere, some indoor facility 
It has like some bricks behind it, and it was it was a weird setting. So at least they were back outdoors, and I think they had somewhere around maybe ten to fifteen thousand fans in a very nice minor league ballpark there in Coney Island. But it just you know they had the backdrop; you could see the Ferris wheels, you know, from a distance. But it still wasn't that Coney Island setting that we've been accustomed to seeing. Not the same ambiance. Yeah, it was different. I mean, it, it looked like where it was. It was like on the infield grass at a minor league ballpark. But at least there were people there. They were going crazy. They had a good time. Watched Joey Chestnut break his own record. 75 hot dogs and buns gone. He uh, hit it yesterday at 76. Uh, Mickey Sudo, who was part of the broadcast team, she did not compete on the women's side because she's pregnant, as she told us last week. And uh, I think I set the under over at 27 and a half. I thought it was a pretty good line. And Michelle Lesko, she, she went over. She got 31. But again, you know, the men's wasn't really competitive, which it hasn't been for quite some time since well, he just 2015. Dominates. Right. But, uh, you know, ask yourself this. I don't know. I'm sure you never asked yourself this, but anybody out there, you know, Joey Chestnut won for the 14th time. And a lot of people think it's like Mickey Sudo that he's won every year. But it actually wasn't the case. In 2015, that's when he got upset by, uh, by Matt Stoney from San Jose. And uh, that was kind of a big deal at that point in time. That was competitive. They were kind of going back and forth. But last couple seasons or last couple of years, not so much. Domination. Joey Chestnut. So what happened to Stoney? Uh, Stoney wasn't even in this one. He wasn't in this one. So I'm saying, did he did he just tire of it? Did he I, finally win one and say to hell with it? Did he, you know, that all of a sudden his body say quit doing this to yourself? Stoney was uh, in it, I believe, last year. I think he was in it last year, but this year he wasn't in it. Eric Badlands Booker, a lot of people are familiar with him. The rapper, he's like 400 pounds. I don't know what's what's up with him. He wasn't in it. Maybe he couldn't there, find the ballpark. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but. Uh, they did have another Las Vegas competitor that was in there uh, as well. So, yeah, wasn't Umchuck, no. But, yeah, another Las Vegas was in there. Now, I know you enjoy your hot dogs. I love my hot dogs. How long does it take you to consume 75 hot dogs? <laughs> and I'm not saying if you eat them all at once and you try to, but just how many weeks or months or whatever before you consume 75 hot dogs? Okay, let's do the math here. Let's see. So if I have a hot dog, say, five days a week, which is about what I do, five days. You have a hot dog five days a week? Yeah, four to five. I'll say five because... And it's always one dog. You don't like it double dog in it. Correct, correct. And I used to do like kind of the double dog thing, depending on the size. But uh, pretty much I found out that pacing myself this way with one dog uh, at the... And there, there, see, there's different types of dogs. So the dogs that I'm eating currently right now, especially what they have at Freddy's, is the uh, eight to one ratio. Okay? So what that means is there's eight in a pound. So basically that's you know a quarter of a pound, I guess. Don't do the math that way. I used to do the six-to-one dogs, which are my favorite, which are a little bit more thicker, okay? So one definitely is good for that. But with these eight-to-ones, you know, yeah, you, you can get away with two. But I found myself I'd rather have some potato chips or have some fries and a drink to go with that, and then that doesn't push me over the edge and then – Give me the discontent for the dog over time. So, yeah. So, uh, five always, days a week. Do you always have the same condiments? Do you mix it up a little bit with the always. Chicago dog? Do you have the same stuff? Yeah. 
By the way, it is a good yep. thing that you're not teaching math because yep. if there's eight, that a quarter of a pound would be if there was four to it. That yeah. henceforth the quarter. Yeah, I was gonna say these so things are that big. It would be an eighth of a pound. Yes, eighth of a pound. Thank you very much for that. See, that's why we have you here. There you go. Ring the bell. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, because the yeah. So the the six to one is is a little bit thicker. And you're right. I've had those quarter pound dogs, and those are those are jumbo. So I have ventured off on those as well, but uh, for the most part. Uh, in Vegas, I can't really find the Vienna hot dog at a lot of stores. They only have these these smaller ones that I'm talking about. Uh, you go to some establishments, like some of your Chicago bars, you know, they'll have the bigger ones, and, and I like that. But, uh, yeah, so answer to your original question, yeah. Uh, grilled onions and mustard, that's my go-to. Will I have just straight mustard at times yes probably maybe 20 percent of the time maybe less than that and that's when i'm fixing them at home i don't want to go to all the trouble of grilling up the onions so it's the lazy factor that comes in there so about once a week you have a just mustard dog if you're doing it four to five times a week yeah 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 exactly yeah but uh more times than not like i said if i'm eating out automatically it's grilled onions and mustard because because well, yeah, you don't have to make it exactly they're you're doing the ordering it right right yeah. So, and uh, I, I do get uh, a lot of flack with this, and I and I saw a commercial actually during the Nathan's hot dog eating contest yesterday that somebody in the commercial they go, "You're turning on that grill for one dog," and the guy says, "Yeah," and that's what I do. And I used to get grief at home about that because I would fire up the grill, and you got let, a and you got a big grill. I'm assuming big grill, and uh, for one. Eighth of a pound hot dog? Yeah, yeah. Or 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 the, the six to one, a little bit bigger. Yeah, I do. Because I don't like it boiled. I don't like it on a pan and fried up. I need to have that grill taste. So, yeah. Is there a problem with with firing up the grill for one dog or two burgers or three steaks or corn on the cob? Well, wait, 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 wait. You cannot equate one dog to three steaks. My point is, is <laughs> should there be a difference? If, if you're doing the cooking and you're flipping or whatever, does it really matter if there's three, four, ten items on that grill compared to one? So why should it matter? That doesn't matter to me. It, do, <laughs> it seems a little silly to me. Why is that? Because it does seem like kind of a waste to fire up a whole grill for one hot dog that you're going to wolf down in three bites. Okay. Okay. But it, it, it's all about the taste. So if you were in my situation, you're saying that you wouldn't do it just because it's one dog? Yeah, I probably wouldn't know. I mean, if you like a grilled hot dog better than I, I've never way. liked one thing so much that I would have to fire up an entire grill on <laughs> if I'm just having one. But then if I'm having a hot dog, I'm probably going to have at least a couple anyhow. So Okay. So if you had company over, then you're definitely no problem firing up the grill, even though you're going to be eating that same hot dog or that same hamburger. With the exception, it- well, maybe, but I don't remember ever having company over and serving hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I've grilled up steaks in it for company. I yeah. don't think I've ever had them over for hot dogs. Yeah. But then I'm not a big like Fourth of July barbecue guy, right. and right. I don't have my own house with a backyard and all that stuff either. So right, right. You know. And again, if you had kids, you know, also, and the, the kids come over and they, you know have like the softball team parties and the basketball team parties, you're throwing the dogs, and then you're, you're well, yeah, doing that probably quite dogs often. and burgers yeah. and whatever. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Maybe chicken breast for the kids that want to eat healthy or something. Yeah, yeah. So I do, I do get some flack. You know, from that, just fire up the grill just for one dog, but I like it. Is this, is this like my... You fired up the grill for one hot dog? Seriously? Hot dogs. Better with Pepsi. 
And I did have a Pepsi. I usually have a Pepsi with that. Yeah, that's what there, I do. That's the deal breaker right there. Between the mustard and the Pepsi, no. I'm, I'm, so was that I'll, commercial? I'll, I'll for, be leaving your residency. Was that was that was that commercial for Pepsi or was that commercial? Uh, it was a Pepsi commercial. Uh, they tied it into the hot dog eating contest on Fourth of July. I see where they're going there. So, and I didn't see any Coca Cola commercials on Fourth of July. Did you? I, I guarantee you there were Coca-Cola commercials out there. It's only the number one selling soft drink in the entire planet. The planet. Exactly. So there it is. All right. So I take it that you did not watch the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. So that's okay. Uh, are you, you going to feel comfortable uh, with George Shea coming on the program? You know, talking about, you know, what, what transpired yesterday. Because I, I know that you're just not a – it's not just that you're not a, a hot dog, you know, eater. But you're just not one of these – these competitive eater competition guys. To be totally honest and perfectly frank, I think it's one of the most disgusting (laughs) things on all of television. I I don't understand why somebody wants to see somebody dunking their buns, wolfing everything down like that. To me, it's absolutely repulsive. But I understand it's a niche audience and a lot of people Mm -hmm. like it. My The biggest savior to me is that I don't have to watch it, which I don't, Mm -hmm. and that it's only at least once a year. Yeah, see, you look at it like a, it's once a year. Exactly. And the thing about this is, this is, is, this is normal. I would say that it's 50-50 split right down the middle that people either enjoy this or they can't stand it. I mean, when, I, when it first came on in that, I kind of watched it out of that freak show part of it or whatever when it was still Kobayashi and before Joey Chestnut went on. But even then, I'm like, okay, seen it. It's like the first time I went to a monster truck thing. Okay, the first time you see him go around, it's like, that was kind of cool. And then they do the same course. And it's like, to me, it was like, yeah, don't ever really need to see that again. Mm-hmm. Though I know a lot of people absolutely love it. And they flock there every year. Just like last night, we saw fireworks every place. A lot of people love fireworks. They look the same to me as they did 50 years ago, the first time my parents took me when I was a little kid to Veterans Acres in Crystal Lake, Illinois. It doesn't do anything for me. Yet people flock to, although they have them every Friday at every Aviators game, and they do them New Year's Eve out here, and they do them all over, different people love different things. Mm. Hot dog eating contest, fireworks, mm. that sort of mm. stuff, not my cup of tea. But then tea's not my cup of tea. All right. All right. I think I figured it out here. While you were you know, talking there, I was trying to do the math of your original question. How long would it take me to eat you know, 76 hot dogs? I think it's about three and a half months. Yeah, so if I do the math, you know, five day, if I have five hot dogs a week, uh, and sometimes, you know, I'll go six, you know, but I'll say but five. But sometimes you'll yeah, only do four. Four, exactly. So we'll go five with a happy medium. So that would be, you know, basically 20 dogs a month, right? So times that, you know, three months, that'd be 60. So three and a half months, I would say we do that 30, 60, 90 day, probably take me about uh, 105 days to, to do what Joey hey. Chestnut did in 10 minutes. Hey. How's that? So basically, you have you consume around two hundred and thirty hot dogs a year. Yes, yes, and Are I don't you know crazy? if that, that's on par with what Betty White did because I had always heard that Betty White had a hot dog a day, and that's why she lived to basically be a hundred. Well, she had a hot dog a day. She did three sixty five. Yeah, so she yeah, blew yeah. you out of the water. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty close though. I'm pretty close. I don't know. Betty White, she's still alive. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why she's lived to. Be a hundred or close to a hundred. You know. Yeah. So basically, every day is a dog day afternoon for Betty White. <laughs> <laughs> All right, George Shea, he's coming up. Uh, Doctor Christina Madison, she will join us next hour as well too. Uh, as Vegas is open, we've seen a full blown here. 
this 4th of July seemed very similar to 2018, 2019. I am sure. Even busier. Even busier, I mean, and, right? and the news, they said that May was the busiest or the most grossing for the slot machines and for casinos ever out here. Yeah. I'm sure that you probably watched all the firework coverage locally because I know you, you watch a lot of the local news. Yeah, I watched the local sort of news. I, I watched a little bit of that last night yeah. as well, too. I mean, I guess a lot of people really enjoy what they did in the Strip. I think they had seven properties, and it was like yeah. eight minutes and 11 seconds in the show. And, you know, some people go, it's like, well, that's all the time it is. It's like, you know how many fireworks you fire yeah. off from seven different buildings in eight minutes and 11 seconds when it's constantly mm-hmm. nonstop? So you, I mean, it, 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 that's a lot of money and a lot of fireworks. So you know what I noticed last night? Because, again, I'm, I'm curious about the little things like this. So I'm flipping the channels, and I was on Channel 3 at first, and I saw the music, you know, that they're using here because, you know, you just don't have fireworks to fireworks. You got the music, you know, going. Well, there's always or, Viva Las Vegas and whatever. And I, yeah. I guess this year they put in um, We're Back or something like that. Okay. Some, because Vegas, because it was so, kind of the theme of this year's show. So I'm watching that and I'm thinking like, okay, let me check out the different, you know, viewpoint of another channel. Like, is this one feed that all, that everyone's watching, no matter if you're on 3, 5, 8, 13, whatever, you know? And so I'm flipping. I'm going, oh, that's different. Wait, that's different. Oh, wait a minute. That music's different. Every television station had different music. And I'd be curious to ask well, B. Sal about have. this. They shouldn't have. But they did. So here's what I'm thinking. And so I want to ask B. Sal this, our, our good friend over at News 3, even though he is a sports director, uh, probably not involved in the fireworks department or the, the main news. But um, the music was different on every channel. So I'm thinking that they went audio, their own audio track at every television news broadcast that's what i'm thinking now if you're on the strip and you're watching it do they have you know speakers galore piped in or are you just watching it without music see these are the little things that i'm curious about. well it, it, from what i understand they were going to do it just like they've done in years past on new year's eve yeah. and that and it was one soundtrack that choreographed yeah. with the eight minutes and 11 seconds I and i know different radio stations in town used to simulcast that so right. no matter where you were you could hear it in your car as well now, are you sure that you were watching everything live, or were they showing different highlights you know, of it because I'm, it could have been a different part in the no. – because it was supposed to be the same music for every one of yeah, the places. It, it, so, yeah, again, I'm watching it at you know, 11 o'clock is when this is happening. And to be fair – Because they went off before that. Yeah, okay. Because it wasn't live at 11. What, um, yeah, they all went off at 11. Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. they did. Yeah, because, again, I had all the channels going, okay. and they had the different things. But to be fair, I probably – caught like maybe the last two two and a half three minutes of it and so that's when again and i was hanging with with channel three for the most part and then that's when i said uh, i'm just wondering you know about this music here because i wasn't digging a lot of the music you know and then i flipped it over channel eight i'm going oh that's different that got me curious go back to three. Oh, it's their music oh eight's different yeah. now let me see what's five got going you know, oh, five actually didn't partake because their news is earlier. Yeah, so they were not. Yeah. Right on a Sunday, so, they don't they so, don't have yeah. the back to back news. So went to eight to thirteen to three and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. That, that but, is interesting yeah. because from what I when I heard them interviewed about it, it was supposed to be all choreographed yeah. the same thing once again, just like they've done in the past. Because one thing that I thought was weird about this uh, or strange about this town from most other places, the fireworks displays on New Year's Eve are actually bigger out here than normally the Fourth of July. Because New Year's Eve, they fire them off from all over the place, and not every city does that sort of thing. So I think part of the thing, too, is that on 4th of July, 
that you know they did it more they did it bigger this year because they're back and Vegas is back and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But New Year's Eve is a big fireworks. Now, of course, they do that all around the world. You know, here's the first ones from New Zealand when we're like eight o'clock in the morning or whatever, and then you see the whole world is, you know, it's like oh right. now it's, now it's New Year's in Shanghai. Now it's New Year's in you know yeah whatever Paris, France, shooting them off from the. The real Eiffel Tower yeah. and, you know, different things. And so. they had the special, they had the, you know, the national specials earlier where, you know, Macy's had their fireworks thing and they shot them off uh, in D.C. and New York yeah. as well as uh, uh, in Hollywood as well, too, and all that sort of thing. Now, so, have you ever again, seen a fireworks show or something in a different city or something that you were like that kind of re- you remember that? Like yeah. it was something big? Like I, I remember years and years ago when me and my best friend went to, uh, we went to Boston for Fourth mm-hmm. of July weekend once. And we saw the fireworks display in the uh, the Boston, uh, you know, the, the the symphony, the the orchestra yes. was there, and and they performed right on the river there, and they mm-hmm. shot off the fireworks, and they shot off the, that cannon from the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. That is the loudest thing I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. I mean, I just kept on thinking, it's like, forget about all the battle scars and everything else out there. You'd have gone death fighting in one of those mm-hmm. battles. I uh, saw mine in uh, in Washington D.C. and sat on the. Um, the Washington Monu- <clears throat> Monument lawn. So, okay. uh, so did that. And here was my, my day, uh, my whole day in the evening. This was going back to, I want to say, 2005 when uh, I went back there. And, of course, every time I go back to a city like that, I've got to go see a game or something, right? So I saw the Washington Nationals. I believe it was their inaugural season, their first or second season, and they were playing the Cubs. At old RFK Stadium. So, of course, you know, I wanted to go see the Cubs. Cubs in town. I'm in D.C. This is perfect. Dusty still with the Cubs back then? uh, At that point in time, he was not, I believe. I think that was the year that that they let him go uh, before that. Anyway. So, anyway... but yeah, I was just... I was going to D.C. Hey, Cubs are playing. Let's do this. And so, dinner... uh, RFK Stadium, which was really strange to see baseball in RFK Stadium. And uh, I remember you know, they had a b- big crowd that night, and uh, the Nats like, had a rally going on, and they were like shake. The stadium was actually shaking. I was like, this, is, this isn't safe. What, what would it be like for 80,000 fans at a Redskins game you know, back in those days? So that was crazy. And then uh, got on the Metro, and the Metro was fantastic there. I'd say much better than the subway system in New York City. And then... Uh, took that down to the Capitol Monument, all that sort, of, and saw the fireworks. So that was like my Fourth of July, I think, like two thousand and five. And yeah, and that was that was pretty pretty cool. And there was music and stuff going on too because they had like speakers like all throughout that area of the city. So you know, and we, and we and it was I remember it was a a variation of music too. So they had some rock and they had some R right. and B and then they had the traditional you know. You know, American type of yeah. music, and that's what know. they try to do with yeah. the, with the soundtrack out here in Vegas as yeah. well. By the way, Pop, Boston Pops Orchestra is what, what yes. was performing. They, they oh were yeah, performing. outstanding. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it was pretty spectacular. And again, we were touristy, so you know, I, I think I was I don't know twenty two or twenty three, and so we were doing that. You know, we walked like the Freedom Trail and the Independent Trail that whole day, yeah. and you know, looked at the old uh, you know grave sites of old yeah. Patriot. Oh, here's where Paul Rivera. It was kind of cool because on that day before the fireworks and that. They actually take a little militia group out, and they go to the different grave sites, or at least they did back then. I think it was, oh, 
1978 or something. But And they would go there and they would say, here lies, you know, and they would read a yeah. little declaration. And then they would do a 21-gun salute for the Patriots. Wow. So, you know, it was kind of cool and kind of like, I mean, it just seemed a perfect place to be on Fourth of July weekend. Not the New England Patriots, though. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> Hell, back then they might have still been the Boston Patriots. They, they were exactly with that with that great goofy guy on the helmet there on the white helmet. That was outstanding. He was in a three point stance. He was ready to go. He was ready to go. All right. Uh, is today the last hockey game. Tonight the last hockey game. I have a feeling it is going to be. I think so. You know, I and again when Montreal saying stuff like we're going to give our best effort because we have nothing to lose, I'm not sure that's the mindset you want to because it's almost like saying. We already know we've lost. It's just how many is it going to take now? So I kind of have a feeling that it's been a nice season for them, but now they're getting ready for it to end. You know, if they'd have won that game too. It's interesting too because I was watching some of the after the last game when Tampa Bay won and they looked much better than they did in game two. And they mentioned on NHL Network that uh, I think it was Weeksy that, that brought it up and he said, well, I expected Tampa Bay to come out with a big effort because they always come out with a big effort after a loss. And the other guy, the other people on the panel kind of looked at him and he goes, well, I know they didn't play the last game and I know they won it, but the way they played, they probably should have lost it. So they were going to, that That's the mindset, right? Yeah. yeah. So they thought, hey, we, we escaped with one here, but really hey, we have a loss, so we've got to pick it up. So when they went to Montreal and I thought, oh, well, that's an interesting thought that you knew they were going to play good because they always do after a loss, even though they won that game that you're counting as a loss for them in their mind. Right, right. Yeah, uh, game number four tonight, uh, this could be it. Tampa Bay Lightning. Again, I think Montreal's, their, their game to win was in game three. We thought that they would show up, and they didn't immediately. Well, in game two, they, it, they outplayed them. I they mean, did. they should have won game two. Vasilevsky yeah. won game two. Which gave us all the, and we talked about this on Friday, is that this was the belief, like, okay, I think we're still going to have a series here. But, man, I mean, they, there was two, it was 2 nothing the first four minutes of that game. Yeah. You know, on Friday night. And, and that's what Tampa Bay can do. Remember, when, when, when they Friday. knocked out the Islanders they, in that last game, they beat 1-1 one, one to nothing. They have the capability to win games like that. But when their offense does get rolling, it's pretty much lights out for anybody. Yeah. And I know that, you know, social media out here, like, I look sometimes and I kind of laugh because people are like, wow, is Tampa Bay really that good or does Montreal just suck? How bad are we really? You know, and and it's like, Every series takes on its own life and its own fact. Just because if Montreal gets swept, it doesn't necessarily mean Vegas would have got swept. It doesn't even mean that Vegas was gonna would have lost the series if they played against Tampa Bay. Because things are different. But everybody always looks at it like it's oh, if they get swept, well, we must really blow. And it's like no, that's not necessarily yeah. the case. It's matchups and different things take on their own life. In factor in Montreal looks like a very tired hockey team. We've talked about that before. I mean, going seven games, you know, in the first series when you're down three to one against the Maple Leafs, and then you know, continuing and then that, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, they swept the Winnipeg, against, which gave yeah, them a little bit of rest. They did, that, but, 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 still. but but still, and, and, and against the Knights, that was a that was a hard fought series. It was a hard fought series, and and I think maybe they got a little. Sense of that maybe maybe they started believing the press slippings that they were a little bit better than they are. I mean, to me, even though Tampa Bay was the third seed going into from their division, and we talked about this before the playoffs started, I thought Tampa Bay once again was the was the team to beat. When you've won a championship, it's hard to get up for regular season games all season long. They're a machine, plain and simple. I mean, plain and simple, not a weakness at all. And when you talk about model franchises, and I think Barry Melrose even said this too, it is Tampa Bay. A lot of people like to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Golden Knights are a great franchise. They're, they're a nice they're, story. They're a nice story, and they're on the right path. Only four 
four years in existence, but what Tampa Bay has done, the roster they've constructed, the way they've dealt with the salary cap, they are the model franchise. Stanley Cups. All right, game number four coming your way tonight. We'll see if the Lightning can close it out. All right, when we come back, we go to New York City. George Shea is going to join us. Major League Eating, the voice, the face of the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. We'll have some fun with him coming up. More from your favorite sports radio physician. Wow, that's the best news I heard in a dog's age. The Dr. T.C. Martin. It was a year of ever-present uncertainty. Empty streets, milestones missed, passions postponed. But we did not submit. Last year on this day, even indoors, six feet apart, we stood shoulder to shoulder, determined that the tradition would continue. And now we are taking back our lives, our city. At Surf and Stillwell, we stand at the intersection of every culture, every hope. Because of every language in the world, the word recognizable to all is freedom. The rock on which we stand, that is what we celebrate here today. Through the lens of this man, the champion of the 4th of July, who commands the laws of physics. 7500 a world record! Today, we gather in a new location for safety. A ballpark, an American cathedral that is no stranger to the hot dog and the bun. So it is, and so it always shall be. Let the contest begin! He is a poet, he's an innovator, he's a showman. Yes, the face, I like to say, and the voice of the famous Nathan's Hot Dog Contest. Uh, George Shea joins us. George, what's going on, my man? Not too much. Just recovering after the 4th of July. Thank you very much for having me on. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, George. Whether it's uh, pepperoni rolls, oysters, sweet corn, tamales, pork rolls, baked beans, and probably another uh, dozen or two things, you've dominated the competitive eating market here, my friend, and congratulations. Well, yeah, I know we're doing about, well, on a normal year, we're doing about um, 50 different events a year. Um, You know, all of the Nathan's qualifiers leading up, but then like Buffalo chicken wings and Acme oysters and all this kind of stuff. Of course, we were knocked back by COVID, but at very least we're back with, uh, you know, the Nathan's live and in person was really fun. It all went down, of course, yesterday. The Nathan's uh, famous hot dog eating contest. Joey Chestnut wins his 14th title. Closest competitor, what, Jeffrey Esper had 50. Nick Weary had 44. How did you find Joey Chestnut, or how did Joey Chestnut find you? So Joey's been around now for, oh, boy, 18 years or so. He was a rookie out of the asparagus circuit when he came to uh, to, the, to his first hot dog eating contest, and then, which I think was 05, in which he did 32, if I remember correctly. Wait, wait, then... hold, hold on, George. We've we got we to stop right there. He comes to us from the asparagus circuit. I mean, that's, that's, that's like, you know, the roller derby, the minor league baseball. No, he got to the famous Nathan's hot dog eating contest via asparagus. This is tremendous. Yeah, he was the undisputed asparagus eating champion 
of the world for for many years where they 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 no longer hold that event or we no longer hold it. Yeah. But he, yeah, that and and he was very impressive. And I remember the first year they're saying we think he's going to eat thirty, um, and he ate thirty two. And then the next year in '06, he actually was one dog behind Kobayashi, but Kobayashi actually. That many believe there was a very very bad call because Kobayashi spit up right, and which would DQ him. But the judges did not DQ him, and you can see photos of it with Joey and this other guy Pat Bertoletti who were competing, like pointing at Kobayashi, going like what? And uh, but then it was '07 that Joey beat Kobayashi. He beat him again in '08 and in '09, '09, and then Kobayashi sort of quit. And Joey's been unbeatable. He was beaten once by Matt Stoney, but that's when he had a broken heart. And and I've often said that there's no force in in the universe that can beat Joey Chestnut except for love. Uh, and but the but the year after he came back, and so he's just been dominant, as you say. He's just very very dominant. And I think a lot of people, including myself, you know, we watched the uh, the, the documentary that was on uh, a few years back. Uh, that detailed that battle between Joey Chestnut and Kobayashi. And I think we talked to you, George, maybe I think it was after that aired. What were your, your feelings on that? Did that come across how you wanted it to? Well, you know, it's it's so funny. That actually really touched a nerve with me. And, you know, it's funny. She, the, the, the director felt that I misused the power of narrative and that I was insensitive to Kobayashi, who felt bruised when I said USA, USA, right? right. And she, she felt that by, by making, blowing Joey up and, and all this kind of stuff, that I had made him feel bad. And this is my understanding. This is my impression. And then, but the irony is she then, and I never did that intentionally, she then used her documentary intentionally to make me out to be a bad guy, and she changed the facts. You know what I'm saying? She put in audio of people booing Kobayashi when there was no booing. You could go on YouTube and see the same clip and they're cheering. And you know what I'm saying? So I was very frustrated at that. But I would say this. It was great to have a 30 for 30 on ESPN. ESPN's a great partner of ours, right? And you need to create a narrative. So she created a narrative where I was the bad guy, right? And she she sure made me look like a jerk. But okay, you know, there's got to be a bad guy, you know, so, you know, move on and, and don't get too sensitive. But I do think the one thing that they really captured in that was the intensity of that rivalry, right? And you have to ask yourself, why did Kobayashi quit? He didn't really quit because of me saying USA, USA, right? I mean, that, that just can't be. So, but it was, a, it was such a powerful rivalry and, we, rivalry, and we've tried to get him back so many times because really that would be extraordinary to see. And remember, George, uh, you know, you're New York City, you're a wrestling guy, I'm sure. Roddy Roddy Piper, Randy Macho Man Savage were heels before they turned into good guys and baby faces. So there you go. I mean, you've, you've already turned, George. You know, you're, you're a baby face. You're the face of this organization. Yeah, well, I'll, t- I'll take baby face or heel. There is, no, <laughs> there is no man, in my opinion, who understands the power of narrative and the, the sort of hard wire feeling that humans get watching any form of entertainment than Vince McMahon. So I'll be a heel. I'm all good. I'm all good. <laughs> so from listening to what you've been saying, what I've deduced from this is that at the same time that the uh, Nathan Southall competition is going on and Wimbledon across the pond, in tennis, love is nothing. Mm-hmm. And in eating, competitive eating, mm-hmm. it can cost you your yellow belt, your mustard belt. <laughs> it did. It did. It broke his, he had it. He was, he was, Look, I don't want to get into his, yeah. his personal life, obviously, but he was engaged to be married, and, 
And um, his fiance called it off, I think, three weeks before the fourth. And I think it was just emotionally devastating. And Matt Stoney, who, by the way, Matt Stoney is a great eater, you know, 14, 14 million followers on YouTube. You know, he's like Badlands Booker. I, you guys know how much I love Badlands Booker, <laughs> the greatest guy in the world. He's now got three million YouTube followers. They have their own industry, these guys. But, but so Matt's a great eater. But, but Matt, I, just could, I believe, just could not begin to approach Joey's numbers on the 4th of July. All right, and you mentioned uh, Badlands Booker. I know he was not in the contest yesterday. Yeah, he. We did the first ever World Chugging Championship, um, a gallon of Nathan's famous lemonade. And Badlands Booker's the number one chugger in the world. His YouTube following is Badlands Chugs. He. That's where he has three million followers. He does chugs. He just like chug. It's amazing. The love for this guy is incredible. I was in Coney Island. We were filming for uh, ESPN. And uh, pre stuff, and he couldn't walk down the back. People, a kid came up to him. His hands were shaking. He was so excited to meet Badlands Booker. So that you know, but so he's really a great chugger. We did this chugging contest. He drank a gallon of lemonade in 37 seconds. <laughs> so I believe that we got to get that back. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna have Badlands doing chugging as an undercard to every major event because it was so. It was so dramatic. Yeah, see, the two guys I missed the most yesterday. I mean, your introduction of Badlands is, is great. And then, you know, he'll come out and rap, and then we'll, we'll see him stuff his face with hot dogs. But uh, the guy never wins. But like I said, he's kind of like that, that face. The two guys I missed yesterday, George, were Badlands Booker and my guy, Rich the Locust from Las Vegas. What happened to Rich? Uh, Rich, who's one of the, the, the veterans, has been around, um, gosh, I mean, you know, uh, 2000 or uh, uh, 98. Um, I believe that there was ill health in in one part of his family, and that he has not been able to to compete. But you know, this is a guy who would do zero preparation and knock down 31 hot dogs every single time. I mean, he would walk off the bus, eat, go back, and then he'd be eating that night. It was just a phenom, and they called the locust because he's such a a skinny skinny guy and the way he eats it's like a bug putting putting stuff in his mouth and he but he was he was an absolute fan favorite one time i won't go off on a tangent one time i was in philadelphia they have what they call the wing bowl there and it was twenty thousand people in their basketball arena packed right packed twenty thousand fans all of whom were drunk and the biggest applause of anyone joey included was when the locusts came out they went crazy Crazy, and the locust is in his seventies now, right? And he's from Las Vegas, he be, right here. Yeah, he's the best. He's yeah. the best, and his wife Carlene, who's, right. who um, was and is, you know, a, a true champion. I think he's seventy three. I, you know, don't 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 um, uh, you know count on that, but but right around there. And but always a fierce competitor. He and his wife are so competitive, and and as a result, they have they have performed amazingly. When it comes to Joey Chestnut, and he's up there. And he's just blowing everybody away by like 50% more than they're eating for the guy in second place. What is his motivation? Is it just the crowd cheering him on and going for another world record? Because, you know, that would be like Usain Bolt in the 100-yard dash winning by 50 yards. Yeah, no, it was, right? So if, if Jeffrey Esper's at 50, as you say, he's more than 50% ahead of Jeffrey Esper um, and 100% ahead of... You know, many, many competitors, right? right? Yeah, right. So, but he's absolutely not competing against them. Yes, they are a baseline and he has to win. He's competing against himself and he's going for the record. Mm -hmm. 
and he got you know 73, then 74, then 75, and now 76, um, and that's what he's that's what he's doing. And um, but you, it's very difficult, and and I'm sure this is true of every competitor, and right, like in LeBron and all these guys get heat for being so intense and it's like yo dude take it easy out you know you, you can't be at that level and take it easy right and that's the way joey is he wants to win it is important it is critically important to him and uh, and that's why he wins all right george shea joined us the chairman of major league eating and of course the nathan's famous hot dog eating contest which we saw joey chestnut uh, dominate again yesterday with 76 hot dog and buns. And we have to say hot dog and buns. Remember, very, very important with that. George, did you ever anticipate where we are today with your contest and Major League Eating? I mean, the partnership with ESPN, the sponsors you've been able to attract. I mean, this thing really has taken on a life of its own. It's gained popularity over the years where it has just become this staple, not just for people in New York and Coney Island, but just, you know, sports fans and non-sports fans who tune in every 4th of July. Yeah, you know, there was never any business plan. We just sort of did it and, and did it to have fun. I have two great partners, my brother Richard and, and Dave Baer, and they're much better businessmen than, than I am, by the way. I spend a lot of time thinking about how I'm going to yell on stage, right? But they're, they're, they're much smarter. But the, the um, never, never a business plan. We just thought, like, what would be interesting? What would be funny? What would be interesting? What would be dramatic? And, and that's how we've approached it. And I think, you know, I think it has a lot more potential than we have exploited right with in the world of social media etc but as you mentioned you know we we did three DraftKings DraftKings is a partner and they had a free to play and you can bet in certain states right and and um uh, so they've been a partner we did a couple events in Las Vegas um you know uh, this winter and Bounty obviously a big sponsor and perfect for like a messy contest but you know the the I think that the key here for us is to find more venues with um, that just sort of grand, the ability to get audience and to and to really get that intensity going. And for me, you know, I was really fortunate enough to come out and host the opening of Circa uh, last October during COVID, you know, and just be the host independent, nothing to do with eating, uh, because Derek Stevens and the crew over there, Jeff Victor and stuff, and they're great guys, they, they're fans. And then, you know, for me, I just got to do, I just, I need more Joey's to introduce, right? And then... Uh, <laughs> And Joey just needs more more pages in the history book. So I, I guess that's our goal. So so when it comes when you coming out here to Vegas, do you always just bet on the dog? <laughs> <laughs> I stay away as someone who's as someone who's connected with, with DraftKings. I can't bet. I can't even I can't even give advice. Although it's not it's not too hard to say who's going to win. The one thing I will say is people were asking me, my friends and stuff, like, where do you think this could go? I never would have thought Joey would be. 75 because he did it inside with air conditioning but it happened to be like this super beautiful day it was 75 74 degrees it was like it was just the best most gorgeous day ever so maybe that's how he got it done but i never would have thought he'd break that so no coney island like on surf and stillwell but you know we were at the minor league ballpark yesterday talk a little bit about that and was there what was the main reason why you couldn't go back to surf and stillwell is one ready for that yet is that closed down there or what no you know what it is it was we were planning ahead of the arc 
on restrictions being removed, right? So we were planning this in April, and if you recall, there were, you know, full full restrictions, right? So if we could have planned this in late June, we would have done it on the corner, but you can't, you know? So when we first started, the numbers were 25% of capacity could come in with social distancing, which would have been excruciating, right? But um, but by the time we got there, there were no restrictions, and that's why we did it in the ballpark, right? Because you can, you know, you you the city was overwhelmed. They don't have to deal with planning, right? You can control it. You can control who's in, who's out. And then it just came to be like you could just, like, let them fly. Um, you know, very interesting thing, no vibe ever as good as that street corner in Coney Island. Very raw, very gritty, very, like, original 100-year-old, this kind of thing. But there was huge appreciation for doing it in the ballpark and the ability to control everything. You have a bathroom, you have stands and beer. And there was like to a person from the audience, they're going, do this again here next year. You know, it doesn't have that it doesn't have that picturesque street corner thing. But it was so much it was so much more controllable. And everybody, you know, really enjoyed that. that And it it came across really good on television as well, too. It really it really played because I was one of those guys like, uh, how is this going to be? What the ballpark? Not sure. But it did play well. So congratulations. when, When they were telling me I was groaning inside, I'm going like, what could be more? you know, antiseptic and boring right. than a ballpark, really, because no matter how good they are, they're all more or less the same. But you know what? It wasn't true. You, the, From the ESPN's view, you could see, you know, the harbor and the water and the ships and, and, you know, the crowd was like into it. So I have to tell you, it was easier for me, right, just being on stage. It was easier getting in, out, the whole thing was just way easier. And I, I'd be really interested to see what happened with Nathan's because Nathan's sent, sells a ton of hot dogs. As you guys know, it's like, a, and, and there are tons in, in Las Vegas, but really a beloved brand here. And, um, you know, they sell a ton on the 4th of July. I'd be really interested to see if they sold what they would have had the contest been right there on the corner. Because if that's the case, then, you know, you really have to say, maybe we do it there again, you know, but, but I, that's, that's a decision they will make. And, um, but I would be happy, obviously, in either location. Now, obviously, this is kind of your Super Bowl of the eating world with the Nathan's Hot Dog Contest every year. But what's some of the other events that you have fun doing? And is there a food that you haven't had an eating challenge for yet that you would like to try or see if people are interested in, uh, in doing down the road? Well, you know, and most of our most of our events come from fairs, festivals, food brands, right, restaurants, this kind of stuff. So there's usually a food that's driving it. If you're in Maine or something, right, and there's a festival, it might be lobster or something, right. And then you know you're in you're in Louisiana, and it's oysters, right. They they have an Acme oyster contest there. Acme oysters, a, a restaurant down there, huge huge festival, huge con- uh, contest. In Buffalo, we do chicken wings on Labor Day, one of my favorite events, probably my, honestly, one of, you know, next to the 4th of July, it's really, really close because 20,000 fans, plenty of beer, it's Buffalo on Labor Day, the weather's perfect, that's a great one, right? And and then obviously, once again, that's because you're in Buffalo, you're doing chicken wings. But, you know, what was funny, we were talking recently, we did an event um called the Glutton Bowl in 2001, I think. It was right after, actually, 9-11. Um, and um, one of the guys, Oleg Zornitsky, ate four 32-ounce bowls of mayonnaise. <laughs> and 
And I have to tell you, first of all, just the reaction you get from from most people is like that's worth it for just that. But but the the he abandoned the spoon and used the spoon that God gave him, and he just scooped up that mayonnaise, and it was it was monumental. So for me, I would like to see a rehash of the mayonnaise eating contest. I really would. What is the wackiest reversal of fortune that uh, you've encompassed? And I would think uh, we almost had one here when you're describing the mayonnaise, especially in the heat. <laughs> well, was, the, mayonnaise, yeah, the mayonnaise was thankfully in a temperature control. You know, it's so funny. In the very early days, of, and I'm talking like 97, 98, 99, maybe 2000, there would be eaters who would suffer urges contrary to swallowing, right? There, it, it, a reversal of fortune, you know. Um, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen at all, ever, now. I'm, t- I'm telling you. Well, you know what? We talked because... to Mickey last week, and, and she basically said the same thing to us. I said to Mickey, I said, have you had more reverse, reversal of fortunes in competition or your pregnancy right now? And she goes, really? Uh, n- neither one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, 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 they don't. And I'm telling you, but but that is because in the very early days, there were no competitive eaters. You'd grab people literally off. You'd be in a mall somewhere, and you'd grab people who are coming to go to the Orange Julius and, and buy a, a leather jacket or something, and you get them to compete, and then they might have trouble. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. And and by the way, you know, these eaters, you know, they're talking, as I, as I may have mentioned, I, I, we did the Today Show this morning, and I was shooting the breeze with a bunch of the, it was virtual, but we were in our office, and a bunch of the eaters came over. And they're talking about this. They live and breathe this. It's just, it's just not even, that's just not even going to happen, you know? Okay, so we're talking about the eating contest, everything else that you do. How many hot dogs can you down, and what's your favorite thing to eat if you're just enjoying a yeah, meal? I wonder if George has entered a contest. There you go. So, so this is now. This you've come across the the area of my shame. I I once did a, com, a competition against a journalist. Twelve minutes. He ate nine hot dogs, and here it is. I ate six, and I and I have to tell you something. I couldn't even almost get six done. And what that showed me is, first of all, yeah, I know. I this is you know. So I'm a, I'm a social leader, not a competitive leader. It turns out, but. You know, it's much, much harder, right? Even just doing six, your your jaw gets tired and everything that's, you know, sort of you, you know, the, you, you're not there enjoying it because it becomes a, a, a an effort. And uh, so, yes, that will not be my future. My favorite, I'm a sweetaholic. So for me, I would eat brownies. Like I just, I, I love brownies or anything sweet. And, uh, but I did have Nathan's last night. We had a big barbecue, my sister and her family. We had, we had like a big barbecue and, and lots of Nathan. I do love Nathan's hot dogs. For me, it's just one with, you know, or two with mustard. That's what I love. There you go. And you don't dunk the bun, right, yeah. even when you're eating for enjoyment? <laughs> well, unless, you know, if I have to leave quickly, yes. But otherwise, generally, no. Yeah. Uh, yep. There you go, George. You're playing my song, man. I, you know, they asked me earlier, well, you know, because I'm a hot dog fanatic as well. And Frank asked me, he said, well, how long did it take you to, to have 75 hot dogs? And I did it about well, five, five days, uh, five hot dogs a week. And probably about three and a half months. And uh, so, yeah, Joey did it in 10 minutes. It takes me about three and a half months, but I love my hot dogs as well. All right. Final thing for you, my friend. I, I do have a little bit of a bone to pick with you because the last time I had you on, I think it was, you know, prior to we didn't do the pandemic last year year before you promised me an intro my friend i don't know if you remember this or not you were supposed to cut me an intro like only george shea can do so i'm gonna hold you to it and i'm gonna need something now but you got to go back in your studio and you got to cut me one my friend 
All right, but how do I uh, how do I cut it for you? Like just against music and, and email it to you? Abs- like a, absolutely, a an MP3, uh, exactly. And if you need me to, right. you know, yeah, that's it. If I got to give you a couple look, of bullet I points, look, there it is. Yeah. No, I, I, but you have to email me, right? So remind me because all I ever do is <laughs> that's what I do. I introduce people. That's that's what I do, and I have all kinds of ideas. I was sitting there yesterday going, "Oh, this could work." So I will absolutely do it. I have it would be my honor. But you have to email me to remind me, and I and I will knock it out, and I'll put it against, I'll put it against either, I'll put it against non-commercial music. Well, you you guys. Well, no, I have that favorite song, George. I think I mentioned this to you before. I don't know what it is, but it's it's one of your things that you introduce the guys to. It's got that Thomas Dolby sound, and I love it. I want to use that for my themes. That boom, 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 boom. You know, when you you got to go and use like three different ones yesterday, but it's the main one that you had going there. That's my jam. That's the music. That's what I got to have, George. There it is. Well, that that is that is. Booker Booker's beat. Hold on. Is that because I've been dying for that? I've been trying to find it. I can't find it. This that I'm talking about. There it is. I've, three years I've been looking for this. There it is. It's Booker's In a beat. World of nothing. Of barren hills and cracked earth and once proud oceans drained to sand, there will still be a monument to our existence. <laughs> yes, we 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 will get you something that. That is the great Badlands Booker himself to his song "Sweet Science." Now I know. And, um, Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah. Thank you very much, yeah. George. All right, you got to check that out. Look, look on, look on any music platform for "Sweet Science" Badlands Booker. See now, it's, it's oh, one of my favorite. You made songs, you yeah. made my day. You made my my holiday. You made my year, George. All right, all right. So uh, you you could you could take us out. Take us out, George. Give us give us something uh, like only George Shea can do. As uh, George Shea on the TC Martin Show here today, Las Vegas. Hit it, George. As we take okay. us out. Once in every ten generations, the heroes rise to lead us to victory. And so, before you now, they come. Men who will run and charge to the ramparts of victory, and who will never stand down, who will never submit, who will never surrender, until their bones are cracked and splintered and scraped like chalk on pavement, they will fight on! That's outstanding. <laughs> George Shea, outstanding stuff, my friend. Congratulations, and we'll talk to you Thank very, very you soon. Thank you so much for having me, and I, and I hope everybody has a great summer. And, and I look forward to talking to you guys later as, as we approach you know, different seasons and different events. And your next event in Vegas, you, we got to hook up, and uh, we got to have you in studio, my friend. I would love that. Okay. I would love that. Take care, my okay. friend. Appreciate talk it. There, there he is, George Shea, the chairman of Major League Eating, the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest, the voice in the face. All right. We're coming back with more. We got NBA. We got NHL. Dr. Christina Madison. And we're going across the pond. Euro 2020 Wimbledon. We're talking with Paul Buckpower Stewart.